This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seidman, and it's time once again for your weekly wrap-up. And today, we're going to be taking a look at the case of the PC recycler who was sentenced to 15 months in prison for uh, essentially making copies of Microsoft installed disks. We'll dig into that story a little bit. We're going to look at use cases for mini PCs and why 32 gigabytes is all you get. Synavia, copy protection for Blu-rays, making it sometimes difficult to play back your backups. And we'll look at what a Kensington lock is and why you might want to use one to secure your devices. Let's get into it. And I want to begin by thanking our newest supporters here on the channel, Nacho Bidness and Hugh Jorgen. Both of them are making monthly contributions to the channel. I want to thank these two individuals and everyone who's been contributing on an ongoing basis, as well as everyone who watches on a regular basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. And we don't have an advertiser this week, but we do have a non-ad, an affiliate link for Blue Apron. They have this uh, promotion going where you get five meals free with your first two orders from Blue Apron. And next week, I've got an international flair coming in. We've got Italian beef and sweet pepper subs, spicy chicken and spring pea stir-fry, and buenos aires beef empanadas. Uh, So quite a a selection of delicacies from across the world. And I'll be cooking them from scratch in my kitchen right upstairs. And it takes about an hour or so to uh, get the whole meal prepared and on your table. But it's a lot of fun. You actually learn how to cook while you're doing these recipes and They're very hard to mess up because they give you the exact amounts that you need for all of these different meals. Typically, it costs about $10 per person per meal, Uh, so not all that expensive compared to the grocery store or a restaurant, and you get some really good stuff that I think you'll enjoy as well. We get a small commission if you sign up, and you'll get five meals free with your first two orders, too. So not a bad deal. Check it out at lon.tv slash Blue Apron. And now for the weekend review. I didn't have much to unbox, so we didn't have much on the Extras channel this week. Actually, nothing. But uh, there might be something by the time you see this wrap-up. I do have an unboxing in the works, so be on the lookout for that. On the main channel, though, we had three reviews of some length. We had the Melee Mini PC. We had a relatively inexpensive 4K 60 hertz monitor from LG, a 24-inch monitor, but uh, that is what fits on my desk here. We're going to be using that in upcoming reviews of 4K gear, so that was a fun one for me to do. Really nice quality display for the money. And we took a look at the Oppo UDP203, which is a now uh, basically a defunct Blu-ray player, but a darn good one. And I reviewed that and looked at how it performed in my home theater setup. So you can check out uh, that review on the master playlist link down below. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind. And this is week 60 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And hopefully this is the week we start experimenting with some of the Amazon video stuff that I talked about last week. So uh, the first experiment is uploading my dispatches, those 
in the field reports with me in the microphone at CES and some of the Pepcom shows that happen in New York. So that one uh, has been uploaded and submitted. I'm hoping it gets live on Amazon in the next couple of days. I'll fill you in when it's up there uh, on the Facebook group and maybe through a community post or something. Uh, so I'm just eager to try it out. I'm not going to move anything over there or make anything exclusive to Amazon, but I've got some content that I think needs to be seen more, and Amazon might be a better place for that because I can set them up as like a TV series with episodes, and when a new episode comes up, it might uh, put that in front of people who add that to their playlist. I think Amazon's been working on uh, discovery of content better than uh, perhaps they have been in the past, and I'm eager to try it out. One issue, though, with Amazon is that they make it very difficult to get your content on their platform because you have to have almost perfect captions, and they're very restrictive about mentioning off-site links. They really don't even want you talking about going to a website, for example. Uh, in fact, as I mentioned last week, they, they had me change my thumbnails because my uh, logo said lon.tv, and that was a domain that they didn't like, so they wanted it to just say Lon TV. So we'll see what happens as the uh, week progresses here. I'll keep you posted on the Facebook group and in other places. And now it's time for some items in the news that caught my eye, and you might have heard the outrage in the media last week about a PC recycler named Eric Lundgren, uh, who's going to federal prison for 15 months because he was selling discs, CDs, that had the Microsoft System Restore software on them. And this is software that many in the tech press said is available for free anyhow. So where's the crime? If he's not selling pirated versions of the software, what's so bad about putting it on a disc and selling it to recoup your costs? That was the initial feeling amongst a lot of uh, the media channels that I follow. But... There is always more to the story, and Microsoft, a couple days after that Verge article showed up, uh, put up their side of this case, uh, first of all saying that they didn't bring the case, U.S. Customs did, because they intercepted a shipment of disks going to this guy that looked like what you see here, and he was selling them for 25 cents apiece uh, to fellow system restoration people that are in similar businesses as he is, and uh, there is, of course, a whole reason why he was selling these discs that look like what you see here. So if you ever had a Dell PC from, you know, eight or nine years ago, uh, they usually came with a CD that looked like this CD and had the Dell logo on it and everything. And he uh, went out to a manufacturer in China and said, here's the ISO image. I want you to make a disc that looks exactly like this one from Dell. Uh, which is what he got, and that is what Customs found on the way to him, and that's what uh, led to these charges. This, by the way, happened all the way back in 2012 or so, so the wheels of justice certainly uh, take a while to spin here, but this is what he was bringing in. This wasn't some disc that was labeled with his own branding. He was replicating something that Dell and other manufacturers were giving out as part of their system discs when you bought a new computer. And there was a reason why they were doing this, because typically when you get a computer from Dell or uh, other companies, you would see these little stickers attached to them back in the Windows XP and Windows 7 days. This is called the Certificate of Authenticity. Uh, this is the one for my, uh, my mother-in-law's computer upstairs that she's getting rid of. And you'd have the product key on here. And uh, if you type that product key in, you could get your Windows uh, reactivated if you had to reinstall the system or something like that. And typically, if you were the first owner of the computer, that's all you needed. You're good to go. But Microsoft has specific licensing terms about these OEM versions of Windows. In other words, versions of Windows that come bundled with a new PC. 
and therefore uh, there's some extra requirements to make sure that you as a system refurbisher are uh, abiding by Microsoft's license that applies to that copy of Windows. And there's a great blog post here on the Microsoft Developer Network that talks about what is needed. And specifically, there are three items needed to allow a license on one of these computers to carry forward to the new owner. Uh, the first is that the original recovery media that was shipped with the PC when new is included with that PC when it is sold. And that is, I think, the reason why he was making these disks look like the official disks. Because if you don't have that disk, the license, license is invalid and you have to buy another license. You can get it at a discount, but you do have to buy a license. And I'll show you the cost of those refurbished licenses here in a second. You also need the original certificate of authenticity that we just saw a minute ago on my mother-in-law's old computer there. And you also need to have the original manuals. And that is something that is required by Microsoft, or at least was with Windows 7 and XP, for that license to roll over to the new owner. Uh, typically, these keys are attached to the hardware now with Windows 8 and 10. So if you were to get you know, some refurbished Windows 10 machine somewhere uh, and you go and reinstall Windows, it's in a Microsoft database somewhere, it reactivates and you're okay. Although I think there might be some licensing that still needs to be done by a refurbisher. I couldn't find uh, all the details on how Windows 10 and 8 works with this. But uh, the stuff that he was selling back in 2012, this was the requirement to avoid having to pay licensing fees. And one of the things that I was able to find in some of the documents linked by the Microsoft blog post was their victim impact statement, uh, which reveals what the cost of getting a license as a refurbisher is. So if you don't have that original disk, uh, this is what you have to pay to Microsoft to have a licensed version of Windows assigned to that computer that you're reselling with Windows installed on it. And you can see here they range from about $20 to $40, depending on the version of Windows that you are including with that PC. And I would imagine that including that original-looking disk would be enough for a customer who might have been skeptical about whether or not that version of Windows is legit on the computer they just bought. I think if they had the disk with them and called up Microsoft, they'd probably confirm that, yes, you're okay, you have the original disk everything is on the up and up and maybe some of these refurbishers would be able to sell you know, make more of a profit because their cost for the windows license at that point is only 25 cents versus 25 or 40 dollars and whether you like this practice or not uh, this is what the terms of the microsoft license are microsoft doesn't sell software so much as they sell licenses and the license that came with those computers when they were manufactured and sold to the original owners was uh, in order for the license to carry forward to a refurbisher, uh, they have to have the disk, the manual, and the certificate of authenticity. If you only have one of those three items, you no longer have the license, and uh, that's what's going on here. And this guy was essentially counterfeiting those, uh, those original equipment manufacturer install CDs to circumvent, allegedly, uh, this process, and he pled guilty. So, you know, that is really what happened here. This is more than just an innocent uh, burning of some Microsoft ISOs from their website. It was an attempt, I think, to circumvent the entire licensing process altogether. So uh, that is really what happened here. And this is one of those things where, you know, your initial reaction is to blame Microsoft. They're the evil big corporation out for more licensing dollars. But it looks like here this case was legit. It was brought by the government uh, because he was really manufacturing counterfeit disks that uh, thankfully did not have any malware or viruses on them, but uh, nonetheless were being made in a way to circumvent something. And if he really had no intention of circumventing licensing, why go through the effort of making a system restore disk look like the original
signal in the first place. And I think that is what happened here. So there's always more to a story, and it's always fun to try to take a step back every once in a while when the outrage begins and do some more research into what went on. And this was actually a really interesting story to follow. I'll keep an eye on it and see if anything else develops as the week progresses. And now it's time for some Q&A from you, the viewers. And our first question comes in from Stacy Luster about our favorite little mini PCs here on the channel. Another viewer also commented about how much I love these things. And uh, I love them because you all love them. Whenever I put up a mini PC review, it doesn't matter what it is. Everybody loves watching them. I get so much of a uh, broader initial viewership on these reviews than I do on many other things that I review here on the channel. So that certainly drives this a bit. And I got some unsolicited feedback from some folks about what they use their mini PCs for. And I'm going to ask you for some of your stories a little later in the wrap-up here, too. Uh, so Alan Bueller here talks about how he was using an Intel compute stick for his church for digital signage until it fried itself. He was looking for something with a little bit better cooling. This one might uh, provide that for him, so he might give that a shot. So there you go. That's one usage uh, case there. Uh, Tommy Van Pelt here wrote in about using tiny PCs in his kids' room. Uh, they're great for running Netflix kids or YouTube kids. You can add uh, either of those to the Windows startup, and the kids can use them without fail, and they don't have to add another uh, receiver for just their rooms. So there's another uh, use case there. You could, of course, use a, you know, a set-top box or something that might cost a little less, but if you can spend maybe 50 bucks more and get a fully functional computer that the kids could do their homework on, too, that's, I think, a pretty good deal. Uh, what drove me into mini PCs was back when I uh, was first getting into them here on the channel, I was really surprised by how functional they became. I think one of the first mini PCs I reviewed here on the channel was a, a Bricks fanless computer that I was just completely fascinated with because uh, at the time I was working in my family business, kind of running the IT department. We serviced about probably about 30 or 40 PCs at just one of our locations. We had a bunch of other locations also. And um, I was just really amazed that I could get something that had very few moving parts, was all solid state, no fan, that could do a lot of what our people needed to do throughout the day and would presumably be a little bit more reliable and can be replaced for considerably less than some of the little workstations that we were buying. So uh, one of those fanless bricks PCs ended up running the telephone switchboard uh, at our new location that is still operating three and a half years later without a single hiccup. It's just perfect for that. And, you know, it's snappy enough that you can get your word processing and some of the other stuff we were doing on the device as well as running the phone system and uh, hasn't been a problem at all. And these are really handy for that because anything you can do to make your uh, IT costs less and more reliable and uh, tucked away somewhere where people aren't going to kick it on the floor by accident, you can just mount them to the back of the monitor and you're good to go. And that's one of the things that really attracted me to mini PCs. But one of the problems with these little mini PCs is that the ones that come bundled with Windows have practically zero storage available on them. Uh, one of the issues we've been seeing now with this one and many others is that you only get 32 gigabytes of storage. And with Windows 10, with all the updates and everything, it's almost useless when you first get it because it just doesn't have enough space to update itself initially. You've got to plug in additional storage to get uh, it set up and operating. It's been a real hassle lately. Uh, and the reason is Windows licensing once again. And I found this chart, which came from some Microsoft sales presentation on a website called CNXSoft. You can go to this link here to see the full article about how these mini PCs are licensed and sold. It was really an interesting article and worth checking out. 
And so for something like an entry-level desktop, like many of the larger mini PCs we've looked at, or some of these little stick PCs like uh, this one is here, you'll note that the storage has to be less than or equal to 32 gigabytes to get the free or low-cost license of Windows. If it comes bundled with more storage than that, they're no longer eligible and they miss the $200 price point that I think a lot of these folks are trying to hit with these things. And I would love to see some options maybe that come with Ubuntu pre-installed or something, because it runs great on here, that have more storage or maybe upgradable storage or something to make them uh, more usable. But this is why they are crippling their own computers, is because Microsoft won't give them a break on the license if they have any more than 32 gigabytes of storage on board. And that, I think, is holding up this whole mini PC market to some degree artificially because I think consumers should buy what they want. And I think a lot more people would be buying these little $200 PCs if they were more functional for that price tag. And I don't think they're very profitable, though, at that price. It's kind of a little conundrum they have uh, found themselves in technologically here. They've got these really functional devices that would probably eat away their more expensive, more profitable devices because they, oops, there it goes. Uh, they do run just fine and they tend to um, not break when you drop them like that. So uh, that is that. But there is a version of Windows apparently in the works called Windows 10 Lean, uh, which I talked about on our Facebook group. And I incorrectly noted in my original video that the entire Windows installation would take up two gigabytes, uh, when in fact it's going to be two gigabytes less than it currently takes up, which should give enough space to at least get some updates installed on these things when uh, they uh, get to you there. So check out this article at Lilyputing. It talks a little bit about what Windows 10 Lean is all about, and when it is available, maybe we'll install it on one of these 32-gig machines and see if it's any more usable, and we'll also see what is given up in the process, because there's got to be a bunch of stuff in that 2 gigabytes they're taking out of that Lean version of Windows. And this next question comes in from Flores Flappy about something I was not aware of called Synavia Copy Protection, and this is in regards to that Oppo Blu-ray player review that I did last week where I was talking about how it wasn't playing back my Blu-ray movie MKV files very well. Uh, this is a reminder here in my house. I watch movies on different televisions and I've taken a good chunk of my Blu-ray library and copied those movies onto my network attached storage device. They play back at their full resolution and full audio quality and I can run them to any TV in the house without having to run discs all over the place. I play those back on my Android devices, but the Oppo player, although it would start playing the movies, wouldn't play them back all that well. It would freeze up and everything else, and uh, it's likely that it had this Synavia protection built into it, which I would imagine is on most players, and what's unique about this Synavia thing is that this is not you know, some kind of crazy encryption technology. It's actually baked into the audio stream on Blu-ray movies, but also theatrical movies and other things. And when you've got a player that has this technology built in and it hears that uh, Synavia code in the audio stream, it then prevents playback. And it's very hard to get that out because it is baked into uh, the movie itself, into the audio stream. And it's something that I think is going to be impacting a lot of folks that are trying to play back network content uh, with one of these Blu-ray players. So I have resigned myself to uh, basically getting myself a 4K Blu-ray disc player uh, that's only going to play discs. I just got this new Sony one that I'll be unboxing on the Extras channel. Uh, it's already not playing back the MKVs the way I wanted it to, so I think it's just going to be my disc player for the nice TV upstairs, and I'll continue doing my uh, Android box thing in the other rooms of the house. But uh, that is my plight at the moment. 
Uh, Synavia is something you might want to look at if your player has it, and you might want to find one that doesn't have it to get more flexibility. Now, this next question comes in from Hey Dave White about Kensington locks. He's asking if anyone has ever used one and why, and I figured I would show you uh, what one is. Now, in full disclosure, Kensington has sponsored some content here on the channel, but not sponsoring this question. Uh, because I, I've been talking about these a lot when I review laptops, but never actually show you what they are. So I would say the best way to describe this is as a, like a bicycle lock for your computer. Uh, many, many computers, many laptops especially, uh, have these uh, little Kensington lock slots built into them. Not my Mac here, but they did have a, a little mechanism you could get to lock it down. But this Melee PC, for example, has one of these lock slots here. You can see it's like a rectangle. And what you do is take out uh, this portion of the Kensington lock, and you can see what it looks like on the end here. And you just stick this inside the slot and then turn the key that it comes with. They also have one that has a combo uh, locking mechanism, so you can use just a combination versus a key that you might uh, lose. So you take the key away with you, and uh, your computer is now locked in. And this is kind of uh, in the frame of the laptop or the mini PC in this case. It's not going anywhere. You have some flexibility, so you can move it around and adjust it. But uh, by and large, it's making, it's making it very difficult uh, for somebody just to walk off with your computer. They could probably still make the effort to do it, but uh, it's going to get a lot harder to do so if you've got one of these things uh, locked down on a desk. And there's a loop here that you feed that other portion through before you lock it in to secure it to a desk or something that's not going to move. And then uh, you've got yourself a nice locking mechanism here. And then when you want to take the laptop with you, uh, you can just use the key and pop it out and you're good to go again. So very easy to get uh, in and out with these things. And really the intent here is just to slow down somebody. You know, if you have uh, somebody running through a dorm room stealing laptops that are out on people's desks, uh, they're certainly not going to take your laptop if it's locked down when there's five others that they can easily swipe. And just like any anti-theft mechanism, really slowing down a thief is the best you can hope for. And I think these locks do that. It takes a little bit of extra effort uh, to walk off with something with a Kensington lock versus not having one at all. And that is why people use them. And my Q&A for you this week is the mini PC question. I'm curious what you are using your mini PCs for and how many you have. Uh, so let me know down in the comments below. It might be a fun thing to compare notes as to how we are all using our mini PCs if we have any. And if you don't have a mini PC, maybe talk about why you don't want one too. I think it might be a fun discussion to have. We can have it here as well as on my Facebook group at lon.tv slash Facebook group. And our channel of the week is something I just found the other day. I think a lot of you have probably been to this channel already uh, called Data Bits. Uh, highly underappreciated here with 26,000 subscribers, but uh, he's going through a lot of older tech and uh, reviewing it, kind of like what we might see on another popular channel called Techmoan. And in fact, Techmoan, I think, gave this guy a couple of shout outs. He does a really nice job of uh, looking at some uh, old tech that's out there and some new things too, and uh, definitely worth taking a look at data bits. So this week on the channel, we've got a couple of things definitely planned. I am finally getting to this router. Uh, this is the Nighthawk router, the new one from Netgear. And I'm going to look at some ways to demonstrate some of its quality of service features that are designed to give the gaming computer on your network a little more priority versus some other stuff. And I think I found a way to actually demonstrate it in real time, which will be kind of fun. So once I get that ironed out, uh, we'll be working on that review. That's my next one in the list, unless something else comes in first. And we're going to have another LG monitor to look at. This one is not inexpensive like the other one we looked at last week. 
Uh, this 27-inch 4K monitor supports HDR. It also supports connecting laptops like the MacBook with a single USB-C cable. So it's got some bells and whistles the other one doesn't have, and it's also 650 bucks. But it's often good to see the top end versus the low end, uh, which we will be doing a little later this week. And I'm sure I'll have a few other things come in as well. Now, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or one-time contribution. We also have our ongoing relationship with Plex, where if you make a uh, Plex membership, no credit card required, we get a small commission. We'll get a slightly larger commission if you get a Plex pass or give one to somebody else with that Plex gift link there. So uh, definitely do that if you're interested in checking out a really great media serving application. We also have some channels you can check out beyond this one, my extras channel for unboxings and supplementary content. We have the podcast at lon.tv slash podcast where we've got audio-only versions of this show, but also my monthly series where I dive deeper into a particular technology. We've got two episodes up already, and another one is in the works, so stay tuned for that one on the podcast feed. My snippets channel is at lon.tv slash snippets, where I pull out search-friendly portions of this and other videos. And my live stream archive is at lon.tv slash live streams, and I do plan to get to doing more live streams at some point in the near future. If you like what I'm doing, I do suggest you click the bell because subscribing is no longer good enough. Uh, When you click the bell, you'll get notified whenever I uh, upload new content or go live. I've been doing that for a lot of my favorite channels. And if you want to engage with the channel, you can go to my email list at lon.tv slash email. These are occasional updates as to what I'm doing, nothing too frequent. We have the Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook, but 330 or so of you have found the new Facebook group at lon.tv slash Facebook group, and I'm seeing a lot of great conversations, not only between me and you, but also between you. And that's what's been so awesome is to get the community connected somewhere where we can all uh, talk about things together versus just me talking to you all the time. So it's really nice to see that uh, developing and a lot of great enthusiasm and great posts there. So check it out and sign up. And we have the store where I resell the things that I reviewed here on the channel, uh, mostly new items that have only been used long enough to review them. And you can get things at a pretty good price, so check it out there. And uh, if you want to be notified every time I add something to the store, you can go to lon.tv slash store alert, and I send out an email every time I add something there. And that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. Thank you all for spending the time to watch the video. Let me know if you watched it all the way to this part down in the comments below, and we'll see you again later this week with more stuff that I am going to review for all of you right here. Until next time, this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including gold-level supporters of the Black Eyed and Blues Music Hour podcast, Chris Allegretta, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.